morning. All right, here we go. I'm going to be in 2 Timothy 1.7 this morning. So I know we just prayed, but let's go ahead and go in prayer. I just thank you, Lord, for this time. I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach your word. I just invite the Holy Spirit just to be in, in us today, Lord God, and open our ears and our hearts for your message. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be in 2 Timothy 1.7. I love, 2 Timothy is probably one of my favorite, favorite letters. And why it fascinates me so much, this is an encouragement letter to Timothy. And when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he was in prison. This is uh, Paul's last letter. And it was an encouragement letter to Timothy. He was about to die. He's going to die. He may not get out of prison, but yet he's telling Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Because when you finish the race, or when where Paul is telling Timothy, I'm about to finish my race. I'm about to get the crown of righteousness. But it's not just for me, Timothy. It's also for all who have longed for his appearing. So when I'm feeling sorry for myself or down on myself, I always come to this, to this book, 2 Timothy, because it's a powerful, powerful letter. 2 Timothy 1.7, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is one of my life verses. I have it tattooed on my back. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I can't remember, huh? <laughs> I can't remember Bible verses. Not to save my life. I can paraphrase it. I can know where to find it, but I can't tell you the verse or the chapter. So I read my, I have a yearly Bible that I read every year. I started this back in 2008. I go through the Bible every year. But on December, October 22nd, that's when it hits every year, October 22nd, 2009, I read that verse and I memorized it like that. I was so excited. I was like, man, that's awesome. But I didn't realize why God had me memorize that verse so fast. Now when I memorize a verse, I'm like, uh-oh, what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> so, I, so I memorized it. So now we jump to December 30th, 2009. It was on a Wednesday. At my old church, they had a men's lunch. Every Wednesday was a men's lunch. And I had been fasting because I had to go to the doctor and get some tests. So we're on our way back to work. I'm riding with a buddy. We're in a little Ford Ranger extended cab. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. We're going to go drop off some food for his wife. We're sitting there, going to make a left-hand turn and we get rear-ended. The cops couldn't tell how fast he was going because he didn't slam on the brakes, but we got hit so hard, we went 500 feet from where we were stopped. So we were, like I said, well, I'm in an extended Ford Ranger pickup, and the back window flies out, and I'm talking to my buddy, and it just, I mean, it just slices me in all across my face. So I have over 85 staples and stitches across my face, both eyelids were just slashed. I could close my eyelids, 
on this one, and I could still see through it. I was like, oh, that's not good. I look at my buddy, and I'm like, how bad is it? He goes, oh, God, it's bad. I was like, well, that's not good. This is the only features I have. Now it's gone. <clears throat> so we, me and my buddy get taken to the hospital in the same ambulance. We're riding. Again, I'd been fasting, so blood is just pouring out like crazy. It's just like, just think about putting your head underneath water, warm water. That's what it felt like. It was coming down so fast. So my buddy gets taken out of the ambulance first, and it's, some, it's the nurse he gets, he goes, hey, Shannon, how's it going? He goes, hey, Eric, man, it's been a long time, blah, blah, blah. They're having a good time over there. I'm like, I'm over here dying, and you're over here reminiscing about the good old days. So the nurse I get, it's her first day at the ER. So she comes and looks at me, and she says, Oh, God. I'm like, well, man, this can't be good. <laughs> so I'm pouring blood. The medic, the ER medic said it took about two hours to clean out, two to three hours to clean out the ambulance because there was so much blood that was pouring out of my face. So I'm, I'm just pouring blood. They're trying to stop it. And I, for the first time in my life, I think I'm going to die. I'm dying. And this pressure that came over me. I'd never felt it before. I can't explain it, but I just wanted it to end. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. It's, it's time. I guess that was, what, 2009? That was about 10 years ago, so I was only in my 30s. But that's not what God said. And that verse popped into my head, for God did not give me, did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And boom, just like that, that pressure went away. That pressure came on to me twice when I was in the emergency room. I finally go to the, uh, to the operating room, the anesthesiologist. I was nervous because I never had a major surgery in my life. It's, this is like the first major trauma in my life. And anesthesiologist prayed over me. And that verse came, came back to me. For God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. It's like, man, what a powerful verse. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, 2 Timothy 1.7. We're going to break it down. So fear. The only thing we should fear is God. And the fear that God talks about to us is in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. The Hebrew word for fear in those two verses is yira, Y-A-R apostrophe A-H. It's a fear, but it's also a respect for God. We're not supposed to fear. When I get asked to speak, oh man, I get scared. But always, this verse always comes back to me. God didn't give you a, a spirit of fear. And each time the angels appeared to the, to the prophets or in the Bible, they'd always fall down. But it was always a soothing, loving, get up, <laughs> get up. So we'll come back to fear here later. So we're going to jump to power. What is the power? It's the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is telling his apostles, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, 
and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus hasn't risen at this point yet, but he's saying, just wait, because I can't send you the Holy Spirit until I ascend to heaven. So in Acts 2, 1, uh, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, when the day of, they were all, the apostles were all in one room. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there they are, sitting and praying, and then all of a sudden they all just start speaking these uh, in different tongues. And then they look up at each other, and there's little tongues of fire dancing on their head. Could you imagine if we're just sitting here, and then all of a sudden... We see little dancing tongues on our heads. It's like, man, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And that power came upon them so strong that Peter, now this is Peter, the same guy that denied Jesus three times. This is the same guy that was hiding in a room because he didn't want to be seen. And yet he had a, then the Spirit came on him him, and he just gave a powerful message where almost 5,000 people came to the Lord just because of Peter. And the power of the Holy Spirit. His cowardice went away. And he got filled with the Spirit. Because he knows that what can man do to him? Nothing. These are the same guys that got arrested. And they said, don't speak the name of Jesus. And they get beat. And they come out. And they're cheering. Yes, I got beat for the name of Jesus. I got beat up for the name of Jesus. And they couldn't do that in their flesh. If they were in their flesh, they would be saying, why? Why am I getting beat up? Why? But no, they're excited because they got beat for the name of Jesus. Jesus got beat because he was proclaiming he was a son of God, which he was. And now they got beat because they believe in the name of Jesus. And now they have that same power, that same Holy Spirit. And what fascinates me is that that Holy Spirit, that same spirit, this same spirit, this same power, Peter used later to to have a lame man get up and walk. This is the same power that people went and touched Paul's shadow and they got healed. This is the same power that Elijah prayed and there was no rain for a few years until he prayed for rain again. I mean, that's just fascinates me that, hey, I have that same Holy Spirit power. We have that same Holy Spirit power. So why aren't we using it? When I speak to new believers or young kids or young adults and they say, well, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my gift is. I always say, well, look, what's your weakness? Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, um, Paul prayed to take this thorn out of his side three times and God told him, or, or he, this is what Paul said, In my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You don't know what your calling is? <laughs> Look at your weakness and God will use it. I remember being in speech classes in high school because that's the last thing I wanted to do is stand up in front of people. I'm a very private person. My goal in life was to be 
It was to go run up in the mountains and hide and hang out with the squirrels. That's what I wanted to do. Get away from people. I wanted to live up in the mountains. But that's not what God said. God said it's not good for man to be alone. I'm like, okay, well, then I'll start going to church. <laughs> uh, I remember going to, when I started first going to church, again, I felt very uncomfortable around people. But one of the first things that people do is they hug. <laughs> a lot of hugging. And it's even more uncomfortable when a man hugs me. I'm like, oh, man. So I always put up their arm, have that, <laughs> have that right there, the barrier, two arms between me so we don't have to touch <laughs> that much. <laughs> but now it's, it, it doesn't matter because that jumps right into love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, is, is what's considered a love chapter. 1 Corinthians, uh, four, I'm going to read verses 4 through 6. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Paul said, I, can, I prophesy, I heal, I speak in tongues, but without love, it means nothing. Just think about it. When we die, when we go to heaven, when we get raised up again, what is left? There's no more sorrow. There's no more worrying. There's no more tears. There's no more fear. There's no more sickness. There's no more disease. So what's left is love. God's love. That's all there is left. You have the Holy Spirit. You get love, God's love. You start reading your word, you start praying, you'll start understanding what God's love is. When Moses was leading the people out of the, out of, or was in the wilderness, excuse me, when he was in the wilderness, they rebelled against God. At one point, they even wanted to kill Moses. And God said, okay, well, I'm going to burn, I'm going to get rid of all the people and we're going to start all over with you. And what did Moses do? He prayed for God not to wipe them out. No, God. No. If it was up to me, I was like, yeah, get rid of them. Let's go. <laughs> but no. That's Moses' love for the Israelites. David is a man after God's own heart also. He wrote some of those Psalms. Man, Psalms 119. Man, I know it's long, but. One of my favorite psalms, powerful. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. God, wait, because fear involves torment or fear involves punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. God is perfect love. Once we get that Jesus, that love of Jesus, we start feeling for people. We start having a love for people. We want to start telling people about Jesus. Hey man, guess what? Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And you give them your testimony because your testimony is powerful. You can teach them all about the Bible, but man, if they if you tell them what God has done for you, man, it turns it it'll change. 
And it's not because what you want to tell them. It's what God is telling you to tell them. It's that love. You want to raise your kids the right way. You start telling them about Jesus. You don't want them to be gone. You don't want them to be lost. So love, because there is no fear in love. You know, we have a lot of fears that we go through. We worry a lot. You know, I'm pretty sure pastor at one point was worried about, oh man, a new building. Bobby over here leading the, the church campaign. But God says, don't fear. I got this. You're following my plan. You're following what I want you to do. Don't worry about it. I have this. All you have to do is just listen to what I tell you, and it'll be smooth road. Because <clears throat> there's lots of turns in the road, but just keep to that straight and narrow path. And with God's love, you'll get there. And then last, a sound mind. Uh, I wrote down the amplified version, uh, the amplified version, and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Also, I'll, what I like to say is a Christ-like mind. You get the Holy Spirit, you get God's love, and then you're getting Christ-like mind. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word there for new is, uh, or the word for renewing there is kainos in Greek, which means new. You're getting rid of your old mind, and then you're getting a new mind. Hebrews 13, 18, uh, Paul says, pray for us for a clear conscience so we can live uh, honorably in everything we do. So all we want to do is focus on Jesus and have a Christ-like mind. Because when you have a Christ-like mind, what did Christ do? He didn't argue with the sinners. The only people he ever argued with were the Pharisees, the pastors of the day. That's all Jesus argued with. But with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, he was, he just, he was loving to them, accepted them. But we also have to have a sound mind to use God's power. In uh, the apostles, I forgot what the people did, but the apostles asked Jesus, hey, should we pray down for fire to come down from heaven and burn these people up? God, and Jesus said, no, <laughs> no. If we didn't have God's sound mind, that's what we would want to do sometimes with some of the people we come across. God, you know what? Just burn them up. Just get rid of them. <laughs> but no, we have a love for them to pray for them. In uh, Acts, there was a false prophet that wanted to buy this Holy Spirit power, but it can't be bought. Jesus already paid the price for it when he died on the cross and he shed his blood. You can't buy it. He wanted to buy it for the wrong thing. He wanted to buy the Holy Spirit power to get to make money. He was a magician, but no. Jesus also had a sound mind when he knew when to stay quiet when he was being accused. And uh, I can't think of his name now. Oh, Pilate, Pontius Pilate was marveled that he would stay quiet. But we also have that Christ-like mind when we know when to stay quiet and when to speak. <clears throat> so God gave us this power freely. It's already, it's there. All we have to do is ask. Jesus told the, his apostles, knock and it will be given. Holy Spirit. This is why Paul wrote, wrote this encouragement letter. Because he knew 
his race was almost finished. He already knew he was going to get that crown of righteousness. Timothy, finish the race, and I'll meet you in heaven, and I'll already be there, and we'll reunite in heaven again. He understood God's power. He understood the love of God, and he, under, and he had a sound mind. He knew where he was going, and he would see Timothy again, and that's what we need to do. We need to know, yes, this race is going to be tough. Yes, we're the Timothys, but you know what? We'll get through it because we have a better place in heaven. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Amen.